You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. What's up, music nerds? This is the Modern Musicology Podcast, and my name is Alan, and today it's just me and my good buddy, Rob Levy. How are you doing, Rob? I'm good. How are you? And this is probably the nerdiest of all the ones we've ever done. Yeah, I would think so. I'm looking forward okay. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, good. Um, so we had, we had a whole topic planned for tonight. And then our other two co-hosts, Anthony Williams and Stephanie Seymour, are both under the weather and unable to join us. And we wish them both the best and send them our love and hope everything's fine. And we'll see them again soon. I'm sure they'll be back in a week or so. But since it's just the two of us, we thought, well, why don't we talk about something that both of us really love? We are both total nerds about music books. Yeah. And, you know, we just don't get to talk about that stuff very often. So we're devoting a whole show to it. Yeah. And I think you and I, having both worked in record stores and libraries, makes us wired to a certain way for music books. True. I'm pretty sure I haven't checked the status of this lately, but I'm pretty sure you're like me, where your stack of music books to get to is obnoxiously long. And just when you make uh, progress on it, another one comes out. Mm -hmm. That So it's, it's, this is a perpetual mountain, you know, it's oh, like, yeah. um, it's like chasing the rock up the hill and, uh, and then the rock rolls down the hill. It's just like that. I've completely run out of shelf space and now I've got two piles of books on the floor. And most of those are the ones that I got for Christmas last year. And I had intended to like really, you know, devote time to them and get them all read this year. Well, that did not happen. I got some of them read, but I have still got so many to get through. So I cannot get any new books for Christmas this year. And I cannot buy any for myself this year. Yeah. And I have stopped looking at uh, UK bookstores <laughs> right. for music books. Right. I can't do it anymore. Oh, my gosh. I just can't, you know, and then every once in a while we have a guest that comes on the show. That's an author and we have to read their book too, to get ready yeah. for, you know, interviewing them. And so, you know, over the past year, some of my reading time went to that and got introduced to a couple of really great things that way. Yeah. Some of my favorite books of this year have been by people we've had on our show, yeah. which is really great. Yeah. Which same, awesome. same. And there's been surprises. There's been books I've read that are like, wow, I knew this was good, but I know it was going to be like this friggin' fantastic. Hmm. And um, then there's the whole thing where I'm reading this book about somebody I know nothing about or a genre I know nothing about. And I probably will never listen to it, but man, this is interesting. There's mm -hmm. those books too. Yeah. So there's just a ton. I've been surprised a couple of times this year by books that I was super excited about. And then did not enjoy them as much as I expected I was going to. Yeah. And that's so disappointing. <laughs> yeah. There's been a couple of times where I'm like, Oh, I wish this was better, but yeah. And there's just so many, it's just like, Oh my God, just please stop. 
Well, let's let's talk about some of the stuff that we've read. We'll start with stuff this year, and then we'll just talk about whatever else yeah. we have time for. What's what's your favorite book from the past year? Oh man, so um, I have to tread carefully here because technically I work for John Robb. Oh, <laughs> and I don't want to anger the gods, but his book, The Art of Darkness: A History of Goth, is pretty fantastic. And I am not someone who was like super into goth music. I, I used to be into it much more than than now. Yeah, uh, I'm more of like the classic stuff, but that book is fantastic. But I, I have to say that probably my favorite book this year has been the book by Richard Evans, the the music that the machines make. That one, yeah, I'm I'm butchering the title too, which is which is terrible. Listening to the music, the music machines, machines make. make. Yes. yes, by Richard Evans. Um, that's been my favorite book of the year. Wow, and I love that period of music, but I learned so much about it. Yeah. The other book I liked, which isn't technically a music book that I've read twice since it came out, is Nick Griffith's Dead Star, which is kind of based on the life of David Bowie. But it's a it's a fictitious musician mm -hmm. and um, the misadventures he has and stuff. And that's been really good, too. But I'd have to say the goth book and the Richard Evans books are both like just phenomenal. I got to say, I really loved that Richard Evans book. Yeah. I enjoyed it so much. And, you know, that's a that's a period that I you know, am pretty familiar with. But he goes so in depth. I mean, he digs deep on this stuff and introduced me to things that I had never listened yeah. to or even even periods of a certain artist or songs by a certain artist that I hadn't heard before yeah. that ended up being like really seminal. And, you know, like I had heard the name Throbbing Gristle before, but I had never yeah. listened to it. So that was eye-opening. <laughs> yeah, I love the stuff on Throbbing Gristle. And, you know, I love this band called Telex a little mm -hmm. bit. And I love them more now. And, you know, I love I love a lot of that stuff. And I grew up with it. And he, he made me feel validated because, you know, a lot of the times you say, oh, I listen to synth pop or synthesizer pop. You kind of get this weird grin and groan from people, even mm -hmm. depending on who you talk to. And that made me feel very validated as somebody that listens to music. And I think that that era of music is kind of often written off as just sort of like prefabricated music by, yeah. by machines, you know? And I think that he really does a lot to explain the artistry of it. Yes. It's the same way with the John Robb book. Everyone thinks, oh, goth music is all doom and gloom, you know? And I don't think people realize how related it is to glam and how close it ties into other things like, like punk and post-punk. And mm -hmm. so I like that book a lot too. And honestly, I'm trying really hard not to, look at new music books coming out right now because I'm so backlogged. It's yeah. just, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And Santa's coming. So I want Santa to surprise me. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. What about you? Well, my big read this year, the one that took the most time because it's kind of a thick book. And I tell you, it was hard to get through. I was really excited about it. But then once I, you know, got about halfway through, I was like, Oh my God, how much longer is this going to go? And that was, the bio by Jan Winter, Like a Rolling Stone. He's the founder of Rolling Stone magazine. He was one of the founders of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he has lived an, I mean, an incredible life. And it was a tough read, I'm, I'm just going to say. And I was sort of like, I was looking forward to it. But then when I got into it, it was just so, I don't know, I just felt bogged down by it. It was an interesting read. I will say that the stories he tells are really interesting. And the fact that one person lived all of these things just blows my mind. Like, 
you know, I wish I could live that life. But there came a point where it just became like this recitation of here's another thing that happened and another thing that happened. And so much stuff revolved around the Rolling Stones and revolved around Hunter Thompson, you know, and there was just like these recurring characters that you, I don't know, that kind of felt like overplayed, I guess. I don't know how to describe Mm -hmm. it, but there was a chapter where he, it opens with the 9-11 attack because he lives in New York and the Rolling Stone office was very close to there. So he was right there when it happened. And that section of the chapter ended. And then the next section just carries on with something else completely unrelated. And and it just, it was such a whiplash moment, you know, it's like nine mm-hmm. 11 and especially being so close to ground zero is such a huge event to not even devote at least a chapter to it. But and, and, you know, and to deal with it in isolation, but then just to make it yet another like thing in a series of things that happened. Oh, man, I just I don't know. I I felt weird about that. I had to take a little break from that. <laughs> I've heard it's good, but I've heard it's a little disjointed and I haven't jumped into it yet because I just know I'm going to have to put everything aside and do that. Yeah, I'm kind of a slow reader, so it takes me a while to get through things. And this one was so big. I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to find the end of this thing. There is something satisfactory about finding a really dense music book. But then it is equally as disappointing when you get a big, giant music book that's big and thick and it's not what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like going on a, on a bad date. <laughs> I know that. um we were talking about kind of off mic that um, this is the 50th anniversary of the birth of hip hop, right? Yeah. And there is a fantastic book that's been in print for a while that I love that probably has a really great origin story for hip hop. It's called last night, a DJ saved my life. The history of the disc jockey yes. by Bill Brewster and um, I think uh, Frank Rofton. Yeah. And, I reread the the hip hop chapters this week, but it's fantastic. Oh, wow. It's a really great sort of like, you want to know the story of how hip hop started in the context of like other DJs and things without just being pulled over with minutia and having to know the social political landscape of the Bronx or whatever. It's perfect. And it still reads great. It's over 10 years old, but man, it's amazing. Yeah, Um, I'm familiar with it, but I've never read it. And the way it covers disco is great. It gets into like the evolution of like rave DJs and things. And it's got a fantastic section on Northern soul. So like, it's kind of like, if you want to know everything there is to know about hip hop, Northern soul, you know, dance music, DJs, DJs in the fifties, it's, it's like a one volume book that collects all of it. That's like really solid all the way through. You know, I knew the danger of us doing a show like this would be that you would suggest things that I would want to add to my to be read pile. And I knew that you would too. (laughs) And oh my gosh, I really want to read this book. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So here's, here's a question. This is just a completely off filter question. Do you loan out your music books? I don't loan out my books. Yay. All right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah, no. I just uh, that's a weird quirk that us people that love music books are. It's like, I'll tell you about this book, but you can't borrow it. Yeah, um, yeah, which is pretty great. What do you think makes a good book on on music biography or period or whatever? Oh man, 
I think when it relates its topic to you in a way that, like you said, doesn't dwell too much on minutia, but it, it gives you a sense of place. Like it puts you in the setting, you know, it, whether it be a genre or whether it be the life of an artist, or if it's an artist uh, writing their own biography, I want to, I want to feel like I'm part of it. You know, I want to feel like they are sharing something that mm -hmm. like, it's a conversation between them and me. Like they're just telling me stories. It, it can be like about anything, but yeah. as long as I feel like they're giving me, they're setting a good scene and I get to get, have a sense of what it's about, you know, then I think it's, that's, that's what engages me. Yeah. Like Tony Fletcher does that really well in his book, his book on the Smiths and mm. boy about town. And so he's really good at making you feel like you're in that period of time, whatever he's writing about. Yeah. Um, his book on REM that he's rewritten a couple times has really, really been great about sort of making you feel like you're around that scene and you understand it. I love that. Another guy who does it really well is Gary Giddens, who writes a lot about jazz. I think he writes for the New Yorker too, but he does a really good job of like, framing his stories and getting to the core of stuff without just making you feel weighted down by everything. And I think that's great. If you, if you read a book about music and you don't feel like you have to run to an encyclopedia or Google anything, then you're, then you've won. Right. And there's a lot of time, you know, and, and those things have their place, you know, like you can yeah. read things and usually this will happen in magazine articles and you can read something by a technician or a guitar player and it gets so technical. And I don't know the difference between one guitar pedal and another, you know, yeah. guitarists know that stuff. And it's good that there is a place that they can read about that stuff, but it's not something that really, you know, appeals to me now, you know, one that I'm, that I'm thinking of that I found did a great job of presenting its time frame to the reader and putting the reader in the place is Questlove a few years ago wrote a book called Music is History and yes. it's half bio and half music history and it sort of talks about his life and the music that he was hearing at the time that had an influence on him it is a fantastic read I really enjoyed it yeah, I think that um, that is a, that's on my list actually. <laughs> oh, is it really? Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I have a, there's two notepads here. There's the my list and the stuff that I have to add to my list. And I want to say too that we talked about this a little bit before we started. This is a great time to support and use your local library because they have a lot of a lot of the times you can get some of these books. We're not going too far off of. Uh, left field. I, I didn't dive into university presses or anything nutty with mine. <laughs> I don't even check the university press stuff anymore because my brain will explode and stay away from the English websites about books for music. Just stay away from them. They're bad. They're very bad. Bad in the way that they are really great. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. And that you will leave with like, there. I checked <laughs> one today and I'm like, there's seven books coming out and I'm like, Nope, Nope. Can't do no. it. Nope. I even put a post-it note on my little desk. No, <laughs> nice. No, it's just there's too much. There's just literally too much. It, there right? is. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you my most recent library find. And for listeners who haven't heard this, I, uh, I work at a library. I had a guy call, a patron called up, and he was like, "I'm looking for a book that I think you have." And we had it in our branch, and I didn't even know about this. He's like, "I've got this book that I'm looking for. It's by," and he didn't say what kind of book it was. He just said it's by. Maceo Parker, 
That's M-A-C-E-O. And I was like, <laughs> let me stop you right there. I know who Mr. Maceo Parker is. And he says, you do? And I said, oh my gosh, yes. James Brown, Parliament, Prince. I absolutely know who Maceo Parker is. And he was like, well, there's this book that I'm looking for. And I think you have it. And I'm like, eh, I don't know that we do. He's like, yeah, I checked your website. Your branch has it. I'm like, so I looked it up and I'm like, holy cow. So I got this book for this dude. It's called 98% Funky Stuff. And so I got it for this guy. You know, he took it. I ordered a copy from another branch for myself. It was so fun. And that was the thing that I had to read when I had to take a break from the Jan Winner book. I was like, mm -hmm. I got to read something short and I got to read something fun. And this was maybe 200 pages. It was very short, but man, it told this guy's life. And all of this touring and recording with James Brown and all the, I mean, it was just a phenomenally fun book. I, I enjoyed it so much. I had a library experience like that too. I had a guy call, he's like, Hey, I'm looking for a book called a pocket full of dreams. And I'm like, okay. So I look it up and, uh, it's a biography of Bing Crosby, the first of two volumes about Bing Crosby that Gary Giddens wrote. And I'm like, Oh, Gary Giddens writes about Jack. So Guy came in, checked out the book. I go, after you read that, let me know how it is. And he came back in, you know, about a week later, returned. He goes, this is phenomenal. Hmm. Really? It's Bing Crosby. So I read it. And I mean, I literally read it in three days. Because one of the things it does is it sort of talks about the early days of records. Of like everything from like the 78s to like Paul Whiteman and the big bands and the evolution of big band music. And then it goes into like these stories of Bing Crosby and Louis Armstrong bar hopping in New York <laughs> where Louis Armstrong would take Bing Crosby to the black clubs and Bing Crosby would get Louis Armstrong into the white clubs. And it's just like a who's who of like American musicians in the twenties and thirties. And there's all these great, I'm like, this is, this is amazing. Right. Um, and then the second one covers the war, the warriors of Bing Crosby, which, you know, white Christmas, is still a hugely profound record every year, but it's like, I had no idea of the social impact of White Christmas when it came out in the same way that Brother Can You Spare a Dime was huge during the Depression, right? Yeah. And, you know, the way he, the way Crosby was involved in recording of uh, music with, with uh, ways of music's recorded, but also microphones. And he, he started Decca Records. So there's like all this stuff that I'm like, I never would have found this book if, I, if a patron hadn't told me about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then the other one of those that happened was Last Train to Memphis uh, by Peter Grolnick. It is the rise, uh, Last Train to Memphis, the rise and fall of Elvis Presley. Mm. And I knew, you know, like it's Elvis. I'm like, eh, okay, it's Elvis, right? Yeah. Stephanie will kill me. It's like, eh, you know, it's Elvis. <laughs> but it's, it's great. It's all about, you know, Elvis and how he listened to music and the role of black music and making Elvis. And the second volume is uh, Careless Love, the fall of Elvis Presley, you know, so it's it's kind of cool. The, um, the unraveling of Elvis Presley, and it's all about like the latter part of Elvis's career, but they're both fantastic. And I never would have found those if a patron at the library hadn't recommended. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I love when that kind of thing happens. Yeah, it's, I've, it's I've had some I've had some great patrons over the years. Not many, just here and there that you can have really good conversations with about music and about there's these one uh, couple that two, two or three branches ago, I've, I've worked in four different branches and they checked out so much music and we would talk all the time uh, and they would get stuff from all across the, the spectrum. I mean, it was everything. And 
Oh man, I love talking. Same thing when you go to a record store too. Yeah. It's, if you go to a good record store and you buy music and um, the guy at the counter's like, oh, I just read a book on this. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what? You know, and then there you go. Yeah. That's kind of how I discovered this band could be, our band could be your life. You know, I was getting a book on, I was getting some replacements and some Husker Du and the guy's like, hey, have you read this book? And I'm like, no, Michael Azarod's great. You know, you should get this book. And I got it. It was great. So I think, you know, now it's podcasts too. True. But, you know, the old school way was libraries and record stores. And if you went to a really good used bookstore or independent bookstore, just kind of browse because every independent bookstore has a different music section, Mm -hmm. which is why I always go to them. It's the first place I gravitate towards, Mm -hmm. gravitate towards besides the history section is what's their music section like? Yeah. Um, because also they will have the music of their particular city. Like it was everything I could do when I was in New Orleans, when I was cu- going to a couple independent bookstores, not to buy every book on like ragtime jazz I could find because they all looked interesting. Right. But I'm like, <laughs> no, I just can't. Right. I got to say, I miss my, I mean, and it goes, this is back to like 85 to through 90. I miss my record store days where Mm -hmm. you just can get in conversations like that with your customers. And, you know, I'm, I consider myself a fairly knowledgeable music aficionado, but when you get a, when you get a good set of customers that all have different tastes and they all have different knowledge bases and you can learn something from all of them, man, that's the best. It is actually, you know, and you know, NPR has been great because they'll, they'll talk about coming up, you know, blah, 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 is having a, a book out. And you're like, wait a minute, what? You know, and then you pull over and you listen or you make a note of it and they go find it online. You know, it's just, it's overwhelming now. It used to be really great to get a book on music, you know, 15 years ago, because you got like one book every six months and you're like, oh, this is great. And then you could read, you know, the classics or something right now. It's like every two weeks or something. It's just like, stop it. You're killing me. Yeah. Which is a good thing. I mean, I think music literacy has greatly improved in ways that regular literacy hasn't. Hmm. You know, I just think people are paying much more attention to books on music right now because that's something that, you know, they don't have to be affiliated with a political party or be depressed by politics, or they don't have to like be quizzed on it the next day and they can just kind of pursue a passion. It's one of the few reading things you can do, pursue a passion that's not going to get you like, who's going to yell at you if you buy a book on Louis Armstrong? You know, I mean, <laughs> true. Or if you get a book on Prince, like who's going to say, oh, I hate that guy. Like who doesn't want to read a book on Prince or David Bowie? Who? But that's that's the other that's the other beast, too, is I think I've read more books on David Bowie since he died. Oh, than my I did God. He's alive. Dude, I have I don't even know the number of David Bowie books that I have. And for two, at least two years after his passing, every major magazine publisher put out series of magazines, not just a special magazine, but series of magazines. And I just, I was so wrapped up in that mourning period that the loss of Bowie that I just, I couldn't not buy all of that stuff that came out. There came a period and it was about two years when I was like, I cannot buy Uh, another single thing about David Bowie because I have so much. And most of it, I haven't even read yet. I've at least for the magazines, I have flipped through it all, but I haven't read in, in detail. I read a lot yeah. of it, but not all of it. And, you know, some of those ones, there was a there was a four part series that uh, basically dealt with 
his entire career in four different chapters, basically. And mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it was so good. I loved it. I did a moratorium on those until the graphic novel came out. The Stardust Ray Guns and Win HD games. Yeah. Um, that's the last Bowie thing I got. You know, I didn't mess with Bowie's books or Bowie's art. You know, I'm like, I'll get those at the library when I'm ready. You know, the Gary Sheffield on Bowie book is a really great book because it sort of just talks about his love of David Bowie and or where he was when he heard this stuff. And that's really good. And it's small compared to some of the other ones. You mean Rob Sheffield? Rob Sheffield. Yeah. The, what did I say? Gary. Oh, he's a baseball player. That oh. <laughs> um, I would not know which that. Is, which is the other dumb thing that I'm obsessed with. Yeah, the, the amount of books that are out on Bowie. And then, you know, there's Bowie adjacent stuff like the, the glam book that Simon Reynolds did. That's fantastic. I knew nothing mm -hmm. about sort of the history of glam. I read about T-Rex and I read about Bowie, but I never would have associated Alice Cooper with glam. I just thought, oh, yeah. oh he's a metal guy, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, well, you know, again, I, that's the thing where you learn something. Right, right. Absolutely. That's the beauty of this stuff. There's so many incredible books out. There's a guy named Terry Teachout. I've been reading his books lately. He has a bio, a biography that's out on Duke Ellington. That's amazing. And a biography called Pops on Louis Armstrong. And they're both fantastic. I'm kind of picky with my jazz, but like just reading about Ellington and where he was in American popular music and how important he is. You know, you mentioned Questlove earlier or, or Prince, you know, there's a connection to Duke Ellington and a lot of that stuff. And it's amazing. So I love the the exploration and the learning that I get through music books. It's like it's like hearing a great record for the first time. Uh, yep. Well, speaking of Prince, here's another one of the books that I read this year that I wasn't as thrilled with as I was expecting to be. And that okay. was This Is What It Sounds Like by Susan, oh, really? Susan Rogers. Who, I was curious about that. Yeah, who I knew mostly from her. She was an engineer who worked on many Prince albums. And that's where I know her name from mostly. So I was really looking forward to this. It's an exploration of what music is and how it relates to the human experience and how humans receive music and process it. And, and I thought, this is going to be amazing. And mm -hmm. it kind of was. It was kind of amazing. But it's co-written by her and some other guy and but it was all from her voice and she kept saying while i like this style of music my co-author likes this other stuff and i was like why are you telling me what this other person like I, I just felt like it was so weird like the only sense that you got that there was a co-author was that she would say once per chapter and my co-author likes this and i'm like well what did your co-author do in the book yeah. <laughs> i was so confused by it it was very strange. Adjacent to that, I like the Nick Hornby Dickens and Prince book. Oh, um, yes, I did but too. I really, I, I really wanted more. I mean, it was just enough, but I really, really wanted more. It, it was a very short book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and you know, that is two personalities that you would never think to pair up in any way. No. But it was, a, it was an interesting read. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and his, his nonfiction stuff, like he, he's written a couple books on, on, on like music kind of stuff that are short essay things yeah, that have been pretty great. Yeah. Um, and high fidelity is the king of music fiction. Oh, absolutely. Uh, which haunted and plagued me for my entire life. <laughs> there's man, there's so many great books. It's just literally when we decided we were going to do books tonight, I was like, okay, I'm going to write down some, or I will just turn into an ADHD rabbling 
babbling brook. Well, but man, there's just so many. Oh it's my a good God. thing we only decided to do this about an hour before we recorded because we both could have put together the most monumental list and the show would end up being four hours long at least. You know, what's, what's interesting too is more and more people are writing books now that are, that are musicians, um, I think, than used to. You know, uh, like the Chris France book, Remain in Love is fantastic. The Karen Valentine book is great. But those are two people I never would have expected to write right. autobiographies that would be like compelling and fascinating. Right. The Kathy Valentine book is just terrific. Oh, I'll bet it is. I still haven't read that. And so is the uh, Chris Franz Remain in Light. I also liked Fingers. This is the other great book I read this year. Fingers Crossed by Mickey Bereni from Lush. And oh. it's really good. And it, it, it talks a lot about the role of women in music, particularly in the 90s and 2000s, you know, Britpop's happening, the shoegazer movement's kind of picking up. She's in the middle of it, and she's kind of like, the labels are kind of making her like, oh, she's this hot girl in a band kind of thing, and she's smarter than that, you know? And her book is really, really fantastic. Also, the Tracy Thorne books from Everything But The Girl. She's written a couple different books, and I'm hit or miss on the Everything But The Girl catalog. Some of it I love, and some of it's kind of, eh. But her Books about growing up in, in England and um, listening to music are, are pretty great. You know, having already declared, both of us have, that we cannot buy any more music books. You did post one in our little podcast chat yesterday or earlier today. I don't remember about an author that we should and hopefully can interview pretty soon. And that is She's a Badass, Women in Rock Shaping Feminism by Catherine Yeske Taylor. I'm yeah. really looking forward to reading that book. So I, I'm, I'm going to read that whether we get her on the show or not. I'm like, exactly. oh, this looks amazing. Yeah, it really does. It's something everyone who's a male needs to know about sort of like feminism and rock. We just need to know more of it to be better people. And there's so fewer books about female musicians than male musicians. So it's a perspective I want to get. I know if Stephanie were here, she would, she would be, you know, telling us that too. The other thing too, and... Um, I wish Anthony was here to talk about this too, is I wish there were more books, really well done books on metal. As someone that wants to learn more about it, you know, I was really confident because there's a couple that came out over the last couple of years, but I really want more of that too, just to sort of know more. Because I like to read about stuff I don't necessarily listen to because it helps me understand it more. Mm -hmm. But those are the two areas of music that I really think there needs to be more music on, you know, or more music books on. Right. And I'm a sucker for books on record labels. I am like, you know, I just ordered the history of Sarah records and a book on the history of postcard records today. Mm -hmm. And I told myself no more books, but I found them both used for under 15 bucks. So I'm like, they'll go on the pile. And then I felt really dirty. You know, it's like, it's like leaving your partner's house before they, before they wake up, you know, like I'm buying this book and I'm not going to read it yet for like six years. But you know, there's one that's on my pile. And I didn't put it on my list, so I'm not going to remember the name of it, but it was basically like the story behind seven major labels of all oh, different yeah, genres. And I haven't I've read it yet. To get to this. Oh my gosh. I'm so looking forward to reading that. That might be the next one on my, after I finish. I've been waiting for you to review this because it's been on my list of, it's been on my radar for a while, Yeah, but I can't get to it right now. The, the two that I had kind of picked out to be my next reads are there's one by Ken Calais, who is a producer uh, called Get Tusked. And mm -hmm. it's a follow up to his 
making rumors and it was about the making of the Fleetwood Mac rumors album. So I literally just heard about this. Yes. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. It's so great. Yeah. I wanted to read this. There's so much detail in it that I would never have thought to even ask a question about. It's so interesting. And you learn so much about just little dumb things about how they created some of the music that went on rumors, like in secondhand news, there's a there's a little like a tick, 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 kind of sound that goes throughout it. And it's literally Lindsey Buckingham grabbed a pair of Mick Fleetwood's drumsticks and he's beating on a chair that has like a padded seat. And that's the sound. And so his second book is about the making of Tusk, which was the album after Rumors. And I'm so excited to read that. And the other one that I kind of had earmarked already was um, History of Rock and Roll Volume 2, which is covers the years 1964 to 1977 by Ed Ward. I might have to set that aside because I don't know. There's 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 so much yeah. else that I want to read. And I want to get to that book about the, the record labels. I have just plowed through Let's Do It and Yeah, 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 the two music books by Bob Stanley. Mm. Um, Let's Do It's kind of a history of like, music before 1950 popular mm -hmm. music and yeah, yeah yeah kind of is the history of like popular music from the 50s on yeah and he's insane at the end he puts out a ton of like anthology cds of music that i've never heard of or or know and they're fantastic both of those books were great but i am super excited to read his book on the bgs uh that's coming out over here uh he wrote the first really comprehensive biography of the bgs mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like, oh, it's the Bee Gees. But, you know, hearing Anthony talk about the Bee Gees and then seeing the documentary on the Bee Gees, it's made me really want to dive into that. And it's getting incredible reviews. So I'm, I'm super excited to read that. Yeah. I've got some, like, biographies that I've read, not recently, but over, like, the last few years that I've really enjoyed. One of them, and I found this to be a surprisingly compelling book. It's somebody that I love. So I was looking forward to reading it, but it ended up being a lot deeper than I ever expected. And that is the beat of my own drum by Sheila E. Oh, holy yeah. moly. That is a heavy book because you know, it talks about in ways that I have never heard before. It talks about the, the rape experience that she went through when she was a kid and how that shaped everything in her life. And holy cow, is it just an incredible read. And then another one, just because it's super fun. And that is Red, My Uncensored Life in Rock by Sammy Hagar. That man has lived a life. That man has lived a party life. I mean, Montrose and then his solo career and then Van Halen and then all the stuff he's done since then and opening restaurants and starting a, a tequila line and all this stuff. I mean, it was a fun, fun read. I really enjoyed it. And I think when you read him, it helps you sort of understand him a little better too. Oh right? yeah. There was one a bunch of years ago. I don't know. It was a long time back by Stuart Copeland, one of my favorite drummers in the entire mm -hmm. world called strange things happen and it's mainly about his police career but goes into his uh, post police thing where he was like made a huge career for himself scoring movies and some of his other musical projects that he got in and i i loved it it was very good nice yeah and i'm, I'm a sucker for like anything that's a book on the musical history and legacy of new york mm, okay um like i know 
Tony Fletcher wrote a book on this. There's that uh, Love Goes to Buildings on Fire by Will Hermes. There's a whole bunch of that stuff. And I love books on scenes. Like there's uh, a book yeah. called Hit Factories. And it's all about these different scenes in England, like Sheffield and Leeds and Liverpool and Manchester. It just talks about why the cities have shaped their musical sort of scenes. Yes. There's one, and I, I will never remember the name or the or the author, but there's one about the Athens, Georgia scene where, you know, all these great bands like REM and B-52s and all these other bands that come up alongside them but didn't have the same level of success that, they, that those two did. And I, I haven't read it before, but I'm looking forward to adding it to my ridiculous pile. My cutoff for books is you, for, for new books is before I broke it today is going to be September 1st and then nothing new till Christmas or New Year's. Right. I have to plan it out. And then I am thinking of actually making <laughs> a to-do book list. Like this is my order of the books I'm going to read in 2024, <laughs> okay. which is going to get shot to hell by January 2nd. <laughs> but it's it's that bad and the thing is you know the quality of writing is really good too it's it, before you know musicians there's a lot of biographies by musicians that you read and they're just not great and you can tell because they're older uh they're older books but now like anything in the last 20 or something years with the with the age of the internet you know they either get a good ghostwriter or they've got the internet to help them you know yeah well true maybe it helps them with their memories or whatever yeah that's true and the access to music archives Right. I think it's really helped make the quality of a lot of these books better. Yeah, that's a good point. I know that if I get off this podcast tonight and type in Google books on Norwegian death metal, <laughs> I'll get a list. <laughs> yeah, you, you might. And I don't do that on purpose. Right. Because I'm curious about Norwegian death metal. Sure. I'm just not going to. No, I have to draw the line. Yeah. And the, who knows? They might not be very good books, but. There's, there's got to be something out there. And then there's the niche stuff, right? Norwegian death metal isn't niche enough for you? Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're <laughs> totally right. But like, I just finished Pat Lang's The History of NME. Ooh. Which is like, oh my God, it's amazing. Oh, I'll bet that's great. And then there's, uh, I can't remember the title of it, but there's a book uh, I, I just finished on, uh, I'm going to blow the name of it, but it's basically Scottish writers on Scottish music. You know, oh. it's just like, okay, I got to stop. This is like, these are, so there's like literally all these little finite things that you can read um, about nothing. <laughs> and they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. We talked about John Robb earlier, but he's got a book on like, you know, the history of music in Manchester, the North will rise again. And it covers like 76 to 96 in Mancunian music. And it's fantastic. But then there's some really stuff that's tricky to read. Like, I was really excited about Ray Davies X-Ray. I really wanted to read that. And he doesn't write it in his third person. It's kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's weirdly written. It's interesting, but he tells it like, like you're reading a novel almost. So it's, it's kind of not like, well, I did this or that, you know, it's, it, you spend so much time trying to wrap, make the circle around his writing style that it's a chore, but it's fantastic. You know, I want to know about his songwriting process and, what's up with his brother and he doesn't really jump into it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Which makes me very sad. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's probably something that he doesn't want to delve too well, much. Well, I think into. everybody does that too. And yeah. that's okay. You I mean, I'm, I am fine with an artist writing about their musical career and skipping some of the stuff. If it's personally difficult for them or if yeah. it's something they don't want to comment on, I'm okay with that, which is, 
part of the reason that Sheila E book is intriguing because she so candidly opens up about what happened to her, yeah. right? Karen, um, Kathy Valentine does some of that too, but people are opening up much more about their book in their books. And then you get stuff, you know, the other thing that's interesting is you get people that are doing books about stuff. You don't think like Gina shocked at a book of photography. Yes. You know? Yeah. You get stuff like that, which is just fantastic. Or when now they're publishing the big thing is they're publishing books of lyrics. There's one on Kate Bush that's out that I might get, but it's like basically a book of their lyrics. And then the artist writes little paragraphs about what they're thinking about the songs. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are great and they're quick and they're quick reads, but it's almost becoming too much. Well, yeah, because, you know, the, the big one of those is the McCartney one that came out a year or so ago and it is monumental. It's so big and, you know, and he, he writes some stuff to go along with the songs, but not that much. It was mainly just lyrics, but it's Beatles and solo stuff and wings stuff. And, you know, it's a little bit of everything, but it's and he's Paul McCartney. It, exactly. Exactly. And you kind of need a book because a lot of times Paul McCartney's lyrics don't make a damn bit of sense because he just like, he just throws words together. Yeah. And I was kind of sad when I did that because the mystery kind of went away when I read some of them. <laughs> I'm okay with that, but it just kind of made me sad because yeah. I didn't want to be disappointed. I love like firsthand account of artists and their songwriting process. And there's not many of those around that, that gets into like real detail about the song, like about mm -hmm. how an album was made, how a song was written, that kind of thing. And I love yeah. that stuff. I don't, I don't necessarily need to read a book about your childhood and how that shaped you into the artist. No, I just want you to, I just want to hear about, because if I were to ever meet any of these people, these are the questions that I would ask you know, what studio did you record this album in? What was it like going into it? Um, how did you come up with the idea for this song? What shaped the way that the lyrics of this other tune kind of, you know, and I've got one, I've got a kiss one, a heart one, and a yes book that are exactly that, where it's just each of the people involved talking about how songs were made and oh my god I, I love that so much and there's i learned some interesting stuff like you know in the 80s when heart was in that period where they were their record label was basically forcing them to like record a lot of outside material like from other writers and you know farming all that stuff in you know which is a period that they aren't all that happy with even mm -hmm. though they made a ton of money off of it and Howard Lee, their guitar player, talked about uh, one of the songs that they got from Mutt Lang, and he wanted to make a change. And he, they literally had to write to Mutt Lang and get permission to change in a chord structure. That's like a minor chord he wanted to change to a major chord. So he had to get permission to raise an F to an F sharp. And I'm like, that's the most fascinating thing you could possibly tell me. That's yeah. the kind of stuff I like to read about. <laughs> That really I, detailed uh, nerdy nonsense that I want to hear I, about. I'm a sucker. I don't buy all of them, but I'm always intrigued by which ones are in the series. The 33 and the third series. Oh, right? those are great. Those are fantastic. If you want to know the nuances of a book, like the yes. one on unknown pleasure by joy division is great. The one on pet sounds is great. And Zaleski wrote one about Duran Duran. That's really good. Mm -hmm. And there's some of those that are in that series that I have never thought about, you know, listening to. But I oh, will yeah. after I read after I read the book. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And they're short, quick reads. The one on Murmur by R.E.M. is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And those are great. So if you're a fan of like how this record got made and you want to sort of like brief, I could read this on my train ride or on the, or my lunch break, but that 33 and a third series is great. I think the, the one on low is one of the best Bowie books yes. there is because it gets so into his mindset and the process. And, you know, that's a fascinating album to begin with. And so it just pulls back layer after layer after layer on that. And stuff. that's, and, that's not an easy era of Bowie to yeah. dissect in 200 pages. True. It's not a record that people that love Bowie love him, love it. But it's not the first record people go to and say, oh, I want to hear David Bowie record. It is, you know, a triumph of Western civilization in the 20th century. <laughs> but I, I don't know how you tackle that in under 400 pages, right? I, w I was just blown away. Like, how was he writing this so sh in, in so brief of a time and getting right to it? You know, it's mm -hmm. it's fascinating. Yep. Well, any last thing you want to throw in? Oh, man. The Rip It Up and Start Again book by Simon Reynolds on post-punk. Um, if you're into post-punk, that's fantastic. Um, oh, man, there's so many books. The two big, thick ones that I've, I've, I did read in the last year is Paul Morley's book from Manchester with Love on t the biography of Tony Wilson uh, from oh, Factory yeah. Records. That sort of succinctly pairs everything down with that Manchester movement of that time and also just the chaos that was factory records. Audrey Golden, my one of my bosses at Louder Than War, has a book out on the women of 480 records right now, which kind of pivots off of that, which is really good. It's like, I, I thought I heard you speak. Um, that's fantastic. And then um, this is a book we talked about, I think, right when this podcast was starting, um, Sweet Dreams and the, Stor the Story of the New Romantics by Dylan Jones. That's amazing. It's dense, though. It's like, okay, I now know everything I want to know about Visage and Adam Ant and, you know, the Blitz Club. and But it also made me understand Bowie more. There's books like that that are out. And then probably the most odd left-field book I read that I did not know I would love about music is um, Music by Max Steiner by Stephen Smith. It's like a biography of Max Steiner who composed all the, you know, the, the score from King Kong and all these great film score music. But like, if you're interested in film scores, like I am, it's great. But also as somebody who loves classical music, it was great to sort of like read about it because it's so, like, like reading about classical music. It's so outside of my box, right? I like it and I listen to it, but it's just not something I go to to read. And it's a really great, well-researched book on Max Steiner. And outside of getting all the Hollywood of that time kind of stuff, just the nuts and bolts of how the art of film scoring happened because Steiner kind of made that happen. It's, it's fantastic too. So that's, that's my parting shot. I've, I've got one that kind of goes along with that. And that is the music of James Bond by John oh, Burlingham. Yeah. And it goes into the different composers that have worked for the Bond franchise and how each one of them approached Bond music differently and how later ones incorporated electronic into it. And a lot of the pop theme songs and and it's a it's a really great read i got that for christmas maybe three or four years ago and i loved it the earth station one podcast has been bringing your inner geek out to play for the past 13 years over this time we've seen things change in the world of geek and podcasting alike and your friends here at eso are looking to change also 
We are now giving you double the fun by coming to you twice a week, and not just in audio, but now you can see our lovely faces up on YouTube. Join Mike and Mike as we celebrate our 700th episode and beyond. Earth Station One is proud to be a founding member of the ESO Network. All right, well, I think that's about it, man. I I think we've covered we a lot of stuff. We could go on for hours, but no one would listen. Right. And, you know, I think we've given a pretty good list of things to our listeners if they're interested in checking out, you know, if you want to read books on different topics, on different genres of music, we've given you a lot of stuff. We've covered a lot of ground with this. So if you have a favorite music book that you have read, let us know about it and we'll add it to our list. And if you pick up any of these ones that we have read, then let us know what you thought about them. You can email us at modernmusicology1 at gmail.com or you can leave a comment on any of our socials or any place that you find this episode. We would love to hear from you. Okay, Mr. Rob, where can people find more about you on the internet? So you can find me on this podcast and also the Weekend Justice podcast from leadcoffee.com. You also can find me on um, Louder Than War Radio, which is online Mondays from 6 to 8 Greenwich Mean Time, 1 to 3 Eastern, 12 to 2 Central uh, with Antics. The shows are also archived. The first 24 shows are archived on Mixcloud on the Louder Than War Radio page. So you can go back and listen to them at your convenience. And... um, it's two hours of just free-forming whatever's coming out of my head musically. Uh, also, I host Juxtaposition on KDHX Wednesdays from 7 to 9. And uh, all of those shows are archived at kdhx.org for two weeks. So you can listen to that. If you are out and about and running errands or whatever you're doing, you can always go to the archive stream and listen. Cool. I have got a couple of other podcasts. I have got a Doctor Who one called Doctor Who A to Z. So if you're a Who fan, you should maybe check that out. That would be delightful. And I also am a big Star Trek fan. So I am on a show called Earth Station Trek. And that is part of the Earth Station One network, which Modern Musicology is a part of. So go check those things out. We will be back next week with a very special show about the 50th anniversary of the classic album Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. So I hope you tune in for that. We will be back. Take everybody, take care. Have a great week, and we will see you around the bend. Ciao. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.